Hey, what is going on? Uh, we're on an hour early here. It's Jamie Dodd, no Thomas Drance. We'll, we'll call it a special extra hour of Canucks talk here with me flying solo. Uh, because boy, oh boy, is there a lot going on in Canucks world today. Tons to get into when Drance joins the show at the normal time at noon today. Uh, but we got to start, of course, with what you just heard uh, a few minutes ago on our airwaves, which was, of course... Canucks president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford, addressing the media in a lengthy press conference. A fascinating press conference, of course, began with an update on Tanner Pearson. That was the stated purpose uh, for Jim Rutherford having a media availability today. You also heard from doctors Bill Regan and Harry Cece as part of that update. Uh, But then the back half, the one that's going to take the lion's share of the attention, just very much a state of the franchise address, a state of the team address from Jim Rutherford. So I'm on an hour early here. I'm going to give my thoughts, my instant reactions to what we heard, but I want to hear from you as well. Of course, always you can always text in 650-650, which is the Dunbar Lumber text line. And we're going to open the phone lines up as well. 604-280-0650. If you want to call in, get on the air, share your reaction to what we heard from Canucks president Jim Rutherford uh, this morning at Rogers Arena. Again, 604 280 Zero six fifty, and you can text in six fifty six fifty. So, I mean, man, there is an a, a lot to get to. And first, before we go any farther, uh, because there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us, for me, for you over the next day, week, etc., uh, to share our criticisms of Jim Rutherford. And I do want to start by saying full credit, full credit to Jim Rutherford for standing in, inviting the questions, being open to the questions, and whether you like the message or not, whether you agree with him or not, and as I said, there's plenty to criticize for giving very blunt, honest, direct, candid responses uh, to all of the questions that the media had for him at Rogers Arena. I think he deserves a ton of credit. That's something that we haven't seen necessarily in the past from other Canucks high-level management, but we saw it from Jim Rutherford today. And I thought it was very impressive, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Now, on to the content of some of what we heard from Jim Jim Rutherford and some of the key takeaways. So first of all, just to get it out of the way, the beginning of the press conference, uh, an update on Tanner Pearson. Not a lot going on there, right? They talked about the process by which uh, injuries are identified and treated at the NHL level. Didn't say, oh, we found this one that went wrong. You know, setbacks happen. Uh, They weren't willing to divulge much in the way of a diagnosis or a prognosis for Tanner Pearson. So not a lot on that front. We will see where the story goes. We're going to go to the phone lines right now. Russ in Burnaby uh, is calling in. Russ, thanks for uh, taking the time to call us. What's going on? Hello. You there, Russ? Russ, we got you. Hello. Hey, Russ, you're on the air. What's going on, man? Oh, well, I'd just like to say, I'd like to see Alvin and Rutherford fired. The guy disparaged Boudreaux, got rid of his great fourth line, got rid of his assistant coaches, and has mucked it up just like Benning did. Fire those guys, bring in Dale Talon, bring in someone that isn't as arrogant as that SOP. Thanks very much. All right, there he is. That is Russ from Burnaby. Call one and one call for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin to be fired after that. We are one Four one so far, and you can keep calling in 604-280-0650. You can keep uh, texting in 
6.50 as well. Somebody texts in, wow, a whole hour to hear Jamie speak. What a day. Yeah, no drance to cut me off right now. I got to make the most of this opportunity. Uh, and again, 604-280-0650. So the key takeaways for me, and I think the one that will dominate a lot of the reaction was Jim Rutherford's comments about the future of this team, his plan for what he wants to happen. And there were a few things that stood out. One, right off the top of when, when the when the conversation really switched from the medical to the, the team stuff, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford said he's disappointed in the job that he's done so far, right? That he came in and the, and the first job was to manage the cap, get on top of the cap, and they haven't been able to do that. Now, he also said, look, there hasn't necessarily been opportunities to do it, but he took responsibility. He took accountability, said, I have to find a way to get it done. And I'm disappointed in the job he's done. The most interesting stuff for me was, you know, he talked about when he came in, looking at it as this is a team that because of the talent here, because of the talent of the core players, needs minor surgery. And now today, he said, because of the results of this season, because of what he's continued to see from the team, he's come around to the idea that the team needs major surgery. Now, if you've listened to Drance and I on Canucks Talk, that, on the surface, sounds like it aligns with a lot of what we have to say, right? That this team is not a few moves on the periphery of the roster away from being a Stanley Cup contender. This is not a team that you can, you know, go into next season and think, looking at and saying, hey, this is going to be a top 10 team in the league if you make a few minor tweaks here or there. This is a team that needs major significant work to continue to grow into a contender. So that's fine. And that makes sense from Jim Rutherford. But the interesting thing is then you follow it up and the question inevitably comes about, are you going to go down the road of a rebuild? And the answer is, you know, so familiar, something we've heard so many times here in this market, or at least it certainly feels like we've heard so many times here in Vancouver. And it's, no, we're not looking at a rebuild. I'd prefer to call it a retool. And then the part that to me was, if, if I was going to pick out one thing, and there's maybe one other that I'll get to, but one or two things that were kind of most concerning, most cause for concern that really gave me pause about what we heard from Jim Rutherford today. It was that, look, you know, he he's acknowledging that they're going to have to trade some players, they're going to have to move some players out, but to hear him directly say, we're not necessarily looking primarily for draft picks, right? Because that those guys could be four years away from helping you. We don't necessarily want draft picks. We want to bring in players who are 25, 26 or under, and then he goes on to specifically kind of say, you know, maybe players who didn't work out on their entry-level contract somewhere else, and we'll, we'll bring them in, and we'll give them a second chance. And that was, again, one of the two most concerning things that I heard from Jim Rutherford. Because what it tells you, it tells you so much about the timeline that they see, that he sees for this team. And maybe it's not a few quick moves to get it turned around for next season, but it's, you know, a couple years, right? So we can't wait for the 18-year-old that we could potentially draft with, you know, pick 22, if that's the direction we went in a Bo Horvat trade this summer. We can't wait for that player. We need somebody who's, you know, 23, 24, 25. And the problem with that is, I mean, first of all, if you're choosing guys who have, as, as Jim Rutherford says, if you're acquiring, you know, a young 22-year-old player, almost by definition, they are somebody who has not lived up to expectations in the NHL so far. Because you know what happens with players who are 21 and have lived up to expectations? They get the Matt Boldy deal that he signed earlier today in Minnesota. Seven years by seven million. Teams aren't trading those players. Teams aren't trading 
21 or 22-year-olds who have surpassed expectations, who look like they're going to be impact players. As Rutherford said himself, you're giving these guys a second chance. These are players that have disappointed in some way that you're hoping you can develop into something more. And when you kind of set your sights on those types of players, you're accepting so much risk. And as Rutherford said, look, there's risk in draft picks. Of course there are. Of course there are. But there's also a lot of upside. And to me, it's just the ratio of upside to risk is much worse for the Canucks if you're talking about, hey, we're going we're gonna to target this 23-year-old player who hasn't exactly lit the world on fire in his first stop in the NHL, but we're going to bring him here and we're going to get more out of him. That, to me, is a fundamentally extremely risky way of building a team, way of rebuilding a team, retooling a team, whatever you want to call it. You're taking on a ton of risk, and I think you're sacrificing the upside that you get with first-round picks. And that's not even to get into the idea of, well, at least with a first-round pick, you know, you don't actually have to make that pick and, and hold on to the player for four years, right? It's currency that you can use to do other things to improve your team in a way that, you know, a 23-year-old player might not exactly. It might not have the same uh, easiness to move as a first-round pick or even a second-round pick has around the NHL. Open phone boards again, 604-280-0650, as we continue to react to President of Hockey Operations for the Canucks, Jim Rutherford, and what he had to say at Rogers Arena today. Next up on the phone boards, Gary from Nanaimo. Gary, uh, thanks for calling in. How's it going? Hey, man. I know I'm English, but the name's Barry. Everyone gets it wrong. All Barry right. with a B. <laughs> it's all good. What's, what's on your mind? So I've lived in um, Canada since 2005 when the Canucks almost won the Stanley Cup. And uh, the only consistent I see in the, in, the, in the negative of Vancouver is the ownership. Every other GM, and it's the same thing, it's like they always want to make just the playoffs. They don't want to rebuild. It doesn't matter who you bring in. Unless the ownership changes, nothing's going to change in Vancouver. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the call. You can get in 604-280-0650. That is a sentiment we hear a lot. And, you know, people often text and why aren't you talking more about it? Why aren't you talking more about it? And look, we hear from Jim Rutherford on a regular basis, right? We can analyze what Jim Rutherford is telling us about the hockey team. He has a prior track record of making trades that we can dig into. We can glean a lot about what Jim Rutherford thinks about the Vancouver Canucks, it's much harder to do the same with ownership, right? And I share a lot of the concerns. Is ownership too focused on making the playoffs year after year after year rather than laying the foundation for a team that could actually be a Stanley Cup contender? I think that's a totally fair fear to have, but we can also only go on the information we have, right? And, you know, to in the interest of fairness, Jim Rutherford said, look, he has not had any interference from ownership, and I really have no reason to doubt that, you know, Jim Rutherford, I don't think he is standing up and saying things that he disagrees with, but that ownership has told him to say. I think when Jim Rutherford talks about, hey, I want to retool, not rebuild, I think that's 100% genuinely what he feels. I disagree, but I don't think that's being dictated to him by ownership. I just look at the stature that Jim Rutherford has in the game. I'm not sure he would take this job if he was going to be told to do something completely opposite to what he feels. In fact, I think it's more likely that he got the job because his vision happened to align with what ownership wanted, right? That he could see, that he could come in and say, you know what, I think we'll be able to turn this around relatively quickly. So it's a kind of a complicated question. I agree that it's totally fair to have some concerns 
about ownership to have those concerns. But again, I also have no reason to doubt that Jim Rutherford is authentic when he talks about all of the different things he wants to do with this team in the years to come, or the weeks, I should say, to come, the weeks, months, years uh, to come. Back to the phone board, 604-280-0650 if you want to get in on the conversation. Jim from Burnaby. Jim, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm doing really well, man. How are you? Good, good, good. So I just want to say one thing. You know how everybody's bashing Bruce Boudreaux and all that? Mm Mm-hmm. In some ways, right? Okay, I know him. I played with him. Okay, and um, I think the the issue is the players, not the coach. If you watch them play, where's the emotion? Where's the commitment? Where's the drive? You get it sometimes, but you don't get it all the time. Okay, these guys are making big money. They should be happy to go to the rink and put a hundred percent in all the time. That's just my issue. Thanks for taking my call. Don't bash Bruce no more. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That is Jim from Burnaby. Uh, if you have thoughts on what we heard from Jim Rutherford, call in 604-280-0650. And I think it's telling just how much there was to chew on from Jim Rutherford at that press conference that we haven't even got to Bruce Boudreau and his future and his current status so far. But some interesting comments from Jim Rutherford, one, saying, Bruce is our coach now. You know, he even had some praise for what Bruce Boudreaux has done so far uh, in his time as Canucks coach, saying he's done a good job. But, and this was very surprising, and again, you know, when you talk about Jim Rutherford being open, being candid, being honest, Rutherford acknowledged that even as as long as a couple of months ago, and you'll recall we heard some of these reports back in November, that he has talked to potential coaching candidates. He didn't give names. He didn't confirm the Rick Tockett reports that are out there, but Jim Rutherford very upfront that, yeah, Bruce is our coach now, but I've also looked around. I've talked to other people who could potentially come in. And that, man, you know, somebody else asked about the the challenging spot that Bruce Boudreaux is in. I completely agree with that. I thought it was fascinating to hear Jim Rutherford respond with, yeah, we're all in a challenging position right now. And I think the fact that you have the president in the media publicly on the record saying, I've been talking to other candidates I think that really illustrates how challenging a position certainly Bruce is, uh, but the entire team is in right now. More thoughts on that to come back to the phone lines right now. Steve in White Rock, you're next up. Steve, thanks for calling in, man. What's on your mind? Hi. Yeah, I, I just want to stick to, to one issue that bothered me at the time and I think continues to be a problem going forward, and that's the J.T. Miller situation. He had his career year last year far exceeding – what he'd been able to accomplish before. And there's lots of good reasons for that. I understand. But his maximum trade value was then. And in terms of getting value for an asset like that, Rutherford totally missed the opportunity. I don't, I don't think any, well, many serious hockey people thought, you know what, JT Miller's probably going to get 99 or 100 points again this year. I don't think anybody thought that. I think the guesses, the the sort of intelligent guesses were all around 75 to 85 points, but he wasn't going to have the profile, the sudden burst of uh, offensive production that he had last year. And it was going to trickle down a little bit. That's when he needed to, that's when they needed to be determined to move him. In addition to that, he had displayed some other divisive qualities with the team in his previous seasons here. This year again now, after we signed him to a very substantial contract, a burdensome contract, uh, he's had the D'Elia thing 
incident, which caused a stir around the league. That's another thing that diminishes his value because it diminishes other teams' interest in bringing him in. They see him, eh, maybe he's a bit of a problem. He, we don't want to mess with our chemistry. We want a guy like that to help put us over the top. And I think that was a major problem, an obvious mistake for a guy like him to make. Appreciate the call, man. Uh, we'll get into JT Miller right now and what uh, Jim Rutherford had to say. And somebody points out in the text message inbox uh, that, you know, when Jim Rutherford was talking about Bo Horvat, he said, well, we've offered him a fair deal based on what he's done up until this year, but he's looking to get paid based on what he's done this year, which is very understandable from the player's perspective. And this texter says, and it's Rager, this call right here uh, used great logic with Bo, but they didn't do the same for Miller last year, it makes no sense. I think that's a fair criticism, right? That one player you were willing to pay as if their career year was their new level, which I don't ever recommend you do. I don't think they should do that with Bo Horvat. It's just surprising and maybe concerning that that same logic wasn't applied to JT Miller last summer at, to what Jim Rutherford had to say specifically because – and again, this uh, this follows a line of criticism that's coming in on the text message inbox quite frequently, right? He says that he's disappointed that he hasn't been able to do more to fix the cap situation. And a lot of people are pointing out this is something we've talked about repeatedly on Canucks Talk. Well, not only did they not take any chances or did they not necessarily have the chance to address the cap situation, they also added a really significant long-term commitment to the books in JT Miller's long-term seven-year, $8 million deal. And on that, you know, Rutherford was asked that at the press conference, and what he had to say was, look, you need some of those players. That contract is not going to stop us from doing anything. In a few years, the cap is going to go up to 90 uh, and even above $90 million. And again, you know, I mentioned there were two primary extremely concerning things for me that I heard from that press conference. One was the idea of targeting players who didn't work out on their entry-level deal elsewhere. And this, this was the second. Right, The idea that, well, the cap's going up, so that Miller contract is not going to bother us. The cap might go up. Well, the cap will go up eventually to you know over $90 million, $95 million. But guess what? JT Miller's going to be older then as well. JT Miller's going to keep getting older, and you can't necessarily assume that he's going to maintain even the level we've seen from JT Miller this season. And I actually think JT Miller has gotten a bit of a, a rough ride from... Canucks fans this year I don't think he's been as bad as a lot of people say that he has but obviously he's been significantly less effective than he was last season you would hope that this is going to be you know a baseline at least of where you're going to what you're going to get from JT Miller over the next several years but you have no way of knowing that sometimes players decline dramatically in the early parts of their 30s so yeah the cap might go up but who knows what you're going to be getting from JT Miller and again it's that bet that to me just does not make sense didn't make sense for the Canucks to take on JT Miller and whether or not the cap goes up the cap goes the cap going up doesn't just help the Canucks right that's not just a benefit for the Canucks every team gets the benefit of the salary cap going up and what does it do it drives up prices right so you can look at it and say well we'll have this extra cap space because the the limit's going up but every other team has that. So if you want to go and, and find your, you know, number three defenseman on the free agency market, yeah, you'll have a little extra cap space to do it, but it's also going to cost you more to get that player because all of a sudden there's all this extra money in the system. So to me, it's always a bit of a red flag when you hear a team kind of wave away concerns about a contract 
because the cap is going to go up. Yeah, the cap is going to go up. It doesn't mean you're not going to want that cap space, right? It doesn't mean that you're you're not going to be in a position where you would prefer to have the open $8 million of cap space rather than committing it to a 33, 34-year-old, et cetera, JT Miller. And again, it just comes back to what is your timeline? When do you think it is legitimately possible for this team to win a Stanley Cup, right? Because if you think it's next year or the year after, then there's a case to be made for having JT Miller on that deal, right? You say, you know what? Maybe it won't age well, but we're right in our window. So we can stomach that. We need that player. We need the player that he is, and there's no way to replace him. So we're going to take on that risk. But again, the risk to reward rate ratio for me with the Canucks, it's completely off on that JT Miller contract. And that's not going to change just because the salary cap goes up in a few years. Uh, Going back to the phone boards here, again, 604-280-0650 is the number. Open phone lines for the rest of the hour. It'll be myself and Drance. Then at noon, we'll continue to react and get into everything happening with the Vancouver Canucks right now. Uh, we go to North Vancouver. Wally is on the line. Wally, what's going on, buddy? What's on your mind? A couple of points. Um, with that in- incident with Miller and Dalia there, <clears throat> I think it was the very next game or whatever, I think they were playing Nashville. Uh, Miller got to have the best view of a guy breaking past him, taking a pass and beating Dalia. <clears throat> it would have been beautiful. And he just turned around, went to the bench. Had Dalia sort of chased him off with his stick banging on the ice. I thought that would have been terrific. <laughs> very, very fair. What, anything else on your mind? Um, yeah, I think... One of the biggest problems, and people are hitting on it, is uh, Miller being a cancer on the team. He's um, the highest paid you know, new contract and uh, is the laziest guy. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous how um, he, could, he could just float around out there after getting the big contract. And no wonder why... Um, he doesn't have great teammates. I mean, who would bother trying hard after that? And, you know, getting the 100 points or 99 points, um, I think it was, might have been Harry Neal way back when with Settlebauer having scored 30 goals and trying to get a giant contract. And uh, he said, you know, he's not a 30-goal scorer, He's the guy that once scored 30 goals. <clears throat> so I think Rutherford missed the boat by trading him, as the other caller had said there. Wally, appreciate the phone call, man. Uh, 604-280-0650 is the number. Open phone lines for another half hour coming up. Well, we were just talking about JT Miller, and the line from Rutherford was that contract is not going to stop the Canucks from doing anything they want to do this text comes in says jt contract not affecting anything it's kicking Bo out of the door we'll have one nhl center after Bo is gone and that's a good point now maybe you think it's you're still fine with the with the deal but you can't say that it's not affecting anything because i don't think there's any question no question in my mind that if they had traded jt miller at the deadline they would be signing Bo horvat now and again I'm not saying that would inherently be the better situation or the right decision. I happen to think it would be. But, again, you can't say that 
the decision to sign JT Miller to that extension isn't affecting anything. I think we're seeing it, what it's affecting already play out, you know, the first big domino play out with Bo Horvat and those negotiations. Again, 604-280-0650 is the phone line. We're getting lots of calls in. We'll get to more of them on the other side. I want to touch on uh, a little bit of what Jim Rutherford had to say about Bo Horvat, too. It's an early bonus hour of Canucks Talk with myself, Jamie Dodd, here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. What's going on? Welcome back to Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd doing a bonus early hour of Canucks Talk flying solo here. Drancer will be on board at noon. We'll continue to dissect the Jim Rutherford press conference. Uh, But right now it's open phone boards. 604-280-0650. Still a couple of lines free. So if you have thoughts about what we heard from Jim Rutherford and his thoughts and comments on the direction of the team, on the head coaching situation, all of it. It was a wide-ranging availability, to say the least. Uh, call in 604-280-0650. We're going to go to the phone boards in just a second, but I did want to read this text. It's from Bernie from Kelowna. You can text in as well, 650-650. Bernie from Kelowna says, Jim Rutherford is a Hall of Famer and a Stanley Cup champion. Do you think he doesn't know what he's doing? He took over a mess from Benning. You all expect results right away. Give your head a shake. It's going to take time. Stop the madness. And first of all, I have a ton of, as I said off the top of the show, I have a ton of respect for Jim Rutherford, first of all, for standing and answering all the questions that he did today, but also for his resume and for what he's accomplished in his time in the NHL. And this is something he alluded to a little bit as well, right? Where he said, look, I know there's this frustration from fans, there's frustration from the media, and it's never going to be turned around as quickly as as everyone wants it to be, as I want it to be, in his words. I, and I think that's a bit of a a misunderstanding of the temperature and the attitude of a lot of fans. Not every fan, of course, it's not unanimous, but of a lot of fans. And I think Bernie from Kelowna maybe has that misunderstanding as well. I'm certainly not sitting here and saying Jim Rutherford should have dramatically improved this team already. Quite the opposite. If anything, I'm saying he should be more patient. He should take a longer view. Rather than targeting, you know, two years from now, it should be three, four, five years down the road where you're really trying to put a Stanley Cup contender on the ice. It's not about why hasn't he made this team better. To me, it's about why hasn't he started the process of taking that long view, right, of building the foundation for the future. But it's not about, oh, they should be much higher in the standings. He hasn't, he hasn't made the team better. He hasn't improved the team. No, no, no. If anything, I'm fine with the team being bad. For a couple more years. That would be just fine if you do it in a in a disciplined, intelligent way. I would have no problem with that. So I wanna I wanna clarify that, right? It's not impatience for the team to turn around and have results in the standings. It's it's impatience for what I think is the right direction being taken. And again, I think that's something, uh, at least from what I've seen in our text message inbox, talking to fans on social media, that a lot of fans would share as well. Uh, we're going to go back to the phone boards now, 604-280-0650. Rob in Richmond is on the line. Rob, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Thanks for taking the call. Uh, just wanted to touch on a three three points here. Uh, one, uh, Gino Ochak, what a, what a great entertainer, what a great, uh, what a great Canuck he was. Uh, big, biggest heart. I'm going to miss him. Uh, missed him as a missed him as a player all these years, and uh, 
I remember when he came up. I mean, there was nothing to cheer about for the Canucks other than Gino. It was they they were a bunch of sad sacks. So, at least with this team now, they are entertaining. Um, this is the other thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, Rutherford is a smart man, and he's gonna he's inherited a big bag of turd here, and uh, it's he's he's in the process of developing it. And again, nobody wants to take her junk. I mean, last year, everybody was talking about uh, how they wanted to keep uh, they wanted to keep JT Miller. And, and this year, it's now we want to get rid of him. No, JT's having an offseason. He was the better piece to keep. It's good we kept him. And, the, and unfortunately, some people won't want to hear this, but Bo Horvat needs to go. We, we need to trade him. You got Pod Colson in the, in the minor leagues that could possibly come up. And JT with a better year, maybe next year, and under some different tutelage, will be a better player. Um, third point was uh, basically, yeah, it's with moves with JT Miller and what he's planning on. He's looking at three-year period here, two to three years. He's hoping next year, the year after, if things lay out. But at least he came out and talked, and that's the main thing as a fan. I want to hear it, and I want to hear it on the chin. You know. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Appreciate the sentiments. Uh, good run there. Thanks to Rob. Uh, 604-280-0650. Before we go to the next call, just a couple of uh, points. First of all, as I agree, and I said off uh, off the top of the show, huge credit to Rutherford for standing in and facing some tough questions, some, some loaded questions uh, from the media today at Rogers Arena. And as Rob says, yeah, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, they absolutely did inherit a mess. They inherited a really difficult situation. And Rob right there said... Nobody wants the bad players on bad contracts or the underperforming players on bad contracts. That's 100% true. And again, to me, that just strengthens the logic of, well, that's why you have to do more of a full-scale rebuild. Because you don't have these all these really desirable assets that you can flip and bring in maybe pieces that fit a little better, maybe pieces that help you be more uh, than the sum of your parts. You're not getting those players unless you're moving really, really good players. And Jim Rutherford himself acknowledged that, right? That... You know, yes, I be- he believes in the core, but maybe the only way to bring in fresh talent is to actually move those core pieces because they're the only guys that really have trade value. But if you're in that situation where the players you would like to trade away don't have any value, the players you would like to keep are the ones that have value, but you might not be able to afford them, that's all pointing in the direction of a rebuild. I completely agree that Rutherford has inherited a very, very difficult situation. There is no doubt about that. We, we don't have to go through the years of Jim Benning and his regime and what transpired. Extraordinarily difficult situation. Again, sometimes when you get in a difficult situation like this in a hard cap league, what you have to do is take your foot off the gas and be willing to rebuild. Be willing not just to take a step back, but maybe take a couple steps back for more than the remaining half of this season, right? For potentially next year, for potentially the year after that, to set yourself up to get out of this extremely difficult situation. But I don't think there's any debate that, yes, Jim Rutherford inherited a mess, as Robin Richmond said. Uh, Next on the phone lines, you can keep calling in 604-280-0650. Shane in New West is on the line. Shane, thanks for calling in, man. What uh, what do you want to say? Uh, You kind of stole my thunder a little bit earlier on <laughs> when you were talking that. about that. Oh, no, about the earlier than that. It was like a three-year thing that Rutherford was talking about. I, that, to me, that's a red flag that uh, he's thinking that he's going to 
satisfy the fans with a, another two years of doing whatever they do. Because that was another question I had is he's got a GM with three assistants and what the heck do they do? It doesn't appear that they do very much because there's not a whole lot happening. And bad contracts, buyouts, well, the only guy they're going to buy out is probably OEL, but bad contracts, you know, wouldn't it be better just to keep 50% of the, you know, retain 50% on them and get something back in return? He's still going to gain the 50% cap hit. But uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, they talk the talk, but they're not walking the walk. And uh, it's alarming for fans when, you know, you're hearing, oh, two years, we're going to be a playoff team. You know, I mean, we heard that for how many years of Benning? And this is coming out. I mean, Rutherford's a great PR guy, but, you know, he's the president. I mean, the GM is the guy that runs the team. And we're not hearing nothing from him except we're signing a 30-year-old guy to seven years after the PR guy said, well, no, you know, we don't want to do that. Yeah, that's about all I got to say. Shane, appreciate the call. And, you know, the, I think the central point there from Shane was the concern about the two to three year window. And I, as you know, as you said, that's something I was, uh, I was saying earlier in the show as well. It's a concern that I very much share. The, the point about, you know, Alvin's the GM and he should be the one talking. I think at this point we've seen that Jim Rutherford, based on all of the experience he has as the front man for an organization, as a general manager and an executive in the NHL, he is much more comfortable in that environment, in the environment we saw today, we listened to today, answering those questions. Now, Rutherford is also very, uh, very careful in these availabilities to kind of say, well, Patrick Alvin is the one who talks to players. He's the one who talks to agents. He's the one who handles all those things. But I think it's also very clear that Rutherford has a major, major hand in setting the overall direction that the team is taking. So I don't have a problem. You know, that that's kind of how a president and GM structure should work anyways. Yeah, you're going to hear from both of them from time to time, but I have no problem whatsoever with the more experienced, more comfortable guy being the one to deliver the message about where the team wants to go. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll get back to the phone boards uh, in a second here, but just a couple of quick texts in as well. This one, unsigned, says... Uh, can we just realize Bo is having a good year? Miller has been better over the past few years. Uh, in my opinion, both should be moved. Uh, but this whole thing of we should have signed Bo, I disagree. I, and I agree with that take, right? Now, if you go back to last year and you said, well, okay, you have to sign one, I would have chosen Bo Horvat for a couple basic reasons. One, he's younger. Two, he's a more legitimate center. And it's harder to find centers, right? But that's not to say he's a better player. He's a miles better player or anything than JT Miller. It's just I think he would have fit better. And if you had done it proactively over the summer, you'd probably get him to a more reasonable deal than, you know, certainly now that he's uh, having this incredible career goal-scoring year. So if you told me you had to choose one, I probably would have chosen Bo Horvat. But I have no problem with say- looking at it and saying, yeah, they actually both probably should have been moved. That is a completely fair, uh, completely fair point of view to have. Keep calling in 604-280-0650. I want to go to uh, Sean in Abbotsford, who's on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in, man. What's uh, what's on your mind? Hey, first of all, I, I, Rutherford deserves all the credit for standing in there. And the questions that I heard the media ask today were some of the best I've heard uh, in quite some time. And, I, you know, 
That's partially Rutherford allowing those questions to happen and answering them honestly. But if it's really a two-year plan, so like if Durant is three years, like blew Rutherford away as being too long, doesn't uh, Bo as a center Iceman younger than JT Miller make more sense if that's the actual plan? And also, if JT Miller's contract is not going to be a problem in a couple years, well, how do you compare that to when we couldn't do anything because of Louis Erickson's $6 million, or now OEL's $7 million? Why will JT's $8 million be any less of an anchor in you know three, four years or today? Yeah, I completely agree, Sean. I think those are two, uh, two very well-made points. And, I mean, again, look, I think there's a very fair argument to be made that both uh, Bo Horvat and JT Miller – uh, should have been uh, should have been moved here, but you know again the 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 point of uh, would you rather have the center? Yeah, I think you absolutely. When you look at how hard it is to acquire centers, to acquire legit guys that you feel comfortable rolling out there in tough minutes, and yeah, I know Bo Horvat's a far cry from Patrice Bergeron, but he's still a guy that you put out there in tough minutes on a regular basis, it's really hard to find those players. It's really, really hard to find those players. And again, I'm not arguing that, therefore, they should step up to the plate and meet Bo Horvat's demand and give him what he wants. You're not in that position where you can do that as a team. Now, the other point that Sean uh, made there about, well, how is the Miller contract not going to affect things? And again, that echoes what I was saying earlier in the show. I agree. Yes, the cap will go up. That doesn't mean you want inefficient contracts on your book. It's not a get-out-of-the-jail-free card for contracts that are inefficient. And I think the references to Louis Erickson and Oliver Ekman Larson are very well taken. I mean, Louis Erickson in particular. Yeah, the cap kept going up. It didn't matter. And I'm not saying JT Miller is going to have the overall impact that Louis Erickson does. My overall point, though, is the cap going up does not excuse major problems. It doesn't make them go away, right? Because everyone gets the same benefit, and you would still in my opinion, in three or four years, rather have that open cap space uh, to do some different things with rather than uh, be in the situation that the Canucks are going to be in with JT Miller. 604-280-0650. We will go back to the phone lines. Uh, Jackson in Campbell. Where they're... Oh, Jackson dropped. Never mind. So uh, we do have an open line, 604-280-0650. If you want to get your thoughts in, about uh, 10 more minutes here on the show uh, before we'll take a break. We'll get Drancer involved, and we'll continue to react to everything we heard from Jim Rutherford. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, This text comes in. This question says, did Rutherford talk about what he meant about major surgery versus minor surgery, what, in your opinion, is the difference? So that's a great question. And the sense I got from Jim Rutherford was it wasn't so much, okay, we need minor, we need major surgery instead of minor surgery because the core players aren't as good as I thought. It was more because this team, the cap situation is harder to unravel than I thought. In order to bring in new players, in order to free up cap space, we're going to have to potentially trade a core player who I might really like and maybe think can contribute to a Stanley Cup team, but it's just the only situation. It's the only way we're going to be able to create some turnover. We're going to be able to create some movement. That was my interpretation of the major versus minor surgery thing, right? That maybe in the past he would look at it and say, okay, all of the core is going to be here and we're going to move out these peripheral players and bring in new ones. But the reality of moving out those other players, those second and third tier players, is just too difficult. So they're going to have to consider major surgery, which, again, I think means a core player, at least one. And it's easy to point to Bo Horvat, you know, potentially being that guy. 
uh, as someone who has to move. The major versus minor surgery comment was interesting as well, especially in light of you know him going on to say, well, we're not really interested in rebuild. What we want to do is a retool. And I think that's the way you can kind of square those comments. A uh, couple of just quick notes and reactions to some of the things that Jim Rutherford had to say before we get back to the phone boards uh, for a couple more callers before we're out here. On Bo Horvat, um, he seemed to say that he they, they've made their best offer to Bo Horvat, and the way Jim Rutherford phrased it was that we offered him what would be a fair value based on his career up to this season, right? Based on everything Bo Horvat had done from when he came into the NHL until, you know, September or October of this season, we've made him a very fair offer, but it's under market value based on what he's done this year. And obviously, Bo Horvat, hey, he's having this incredible contract year. Guy wants to get paid off of his contract year. That's very understandable. As Jim Rutherford said, we're in a pickle. Now, he also said, and I thought this was interesting, you know, even the offer they have on the table to Bo Horvat currently would put them over the cap for next season. And that's based on various projections, I'm sure, for, you know, uh, RFAs like Ethan Bear, UFAs. Uh, he, he referenced Tucker Poolman and whether he'll be on LTIR in that. So it's not as if they don't have the cap space to sign Bo Horvat, but I thought that was an interesting revelation as well from Jim Rutherford that even the deal they have, that they've offered and would theoretically be delighted if Bo Horvat signed, would put them in a very, very difficult salary cap position going in to next season. Uh, 604-280-0650. Paul in Port Coquitlam is on the line. Paul, thanks for calling in, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah, sad day uh, today in BC history. You know, for me personally, I've been watching the the Canucks since uh, religiously since '82. So I've I've been watching them a long time. You know, that that those early '90 teams. You know, after we brought in and 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 drafted Trevor Linden, and then and then of course the big score of getting uh, Burry and and Towski and uh, Nedved, and then obviously we got we brought in. Gino Ojek and uh, you know a lot of the, those young guys there that came in and created that great team of '94. And if it weren't for the Rangers basically buying uh, the Edmonton Oilers old team uh, and and buying that Stanley Cup, we probably would have won it in '94. What a great team! So it, it's like an end of an era. And the other thing that's very sad is uh, you know I mean I feel mixed emotions, but Rourke going uh, from the BC Lions. Uh, in an interview, you could see he was a bit emotional. It looks like he really did care about our city and our province. Uh, he's a good kid, and uh, I, I wish him the best over in uh, in Jacksonville. But I can definitely see him coming back in the future, hopefully. Cross our fingers. Uh, I want him to have success, but not too much success, so he can make his way back out here. All right. Uh, thank you. That's a call uh, touching on a couple different things from Paul in Port Coquitlam. Uh, we'll go back to Poco, to the Tri-Cities. Tyler in Port Coquitlam, you're up next. What's, what's uh, on your mind? Well, I'm just curious. Like, At what point it, Rutherford came in, guns a-blazing, talking about how he wanted to build towards the future when he just started. Is he at a point now, I'm just wondering, where, you know, Francesco clearly wants something and at this point he's just like you know what I'm just going to cash this check until he tells me to leave like it just feels like he and Boudreaux and everybody have checked out on the city and you know that's what it feels like at this point 
curious what you think about that. Yeah, I appreciate the call, and I understand uh, the frustration from Canucks fans. But I got to tell you, you can say a lot. You can have a lot of critiques, I think, and criticism about the vision and the plan that Jim Rutherford laid out today. But the one thing I would not say about it is that he was checked out. Right, That's not the vibe I got at all from Jim Rutherford today. And I think everything we know about Jim Rutherford, how competitive he is, the success he's had, you know, he stepped away voluntarily from the job in Pittsburgh. He doesn't need the money. He, he's not, he doesn't need the legacy. He's already won three Stanley Cups. He's a Hall of Famer. I take Jim Rutherford 100% at face value when he says he's here to do the job, right? And I think... I can understand the frustration, and again, it's frustration that Jim Rutherford echoed at the beginning of the press conference, or at least when he started talking uh, less about the Tanner Pearson situation and more about the future of the team. You know, he's disappointed in the job he's done. I I just, and and, you know, to the point about, and again, this is something that I brought up earlier in the show or responded to from, uh, from the comment about a caller, I don't think Jim Rutherford, from what we know about him and his career, would just kind of cash a check and do what the owner tells him to do if it was something that he strongly disagreed with. I think, again, the vision we're hearing from Jim Rutherford is is him. It's what he wants to do. And, again, I, I have a lot of uh, concerns and questions about that vision, but I see no reason to wonder, you know, is his heart really in it? Is he just doing what ownership is telling him? I think there's an alignment between Jim Rutherford and what ownership wants. That's probably one of the major reasons that, Ownership felt comfortable bringing him in in the first place. But again, I think when you see the frustration, the willingness to stand in and answer those questions, to me, that is not a guy who's checked out, right? That is a guy who is willing to go through it, who is trying his hardest, agree or disagree with the results, with the plan, but that's a guy who is in it, who is trying to find a way uh, to get this team on a different path. Uh, this text comes in. The, I think the blow it up and rebuild crowd needs a reality check. Good luck selling that to Petey and Hughes. Wasting three to five prime years of their career would likely push them out. I've said this many times on the show before. I completely agree that that's a risk. But there's risks to the path you're taking as well. And you don't want to talk about wasting years. Elias Pettersson's on pace for over 100 points with fantastic two-way results this year. For a team that might not get 80 points, that's a wasted year. So if one of your main concerns is wasting prime seasons of your elite players, again, that speaks to the need for a new direction to me because you're already living that reality right now. You are living that reality with Elias Pettersson. And hey, Quinn Hughes, I I know there's questions about the overall impact, but he's putting up a ton of points as well. And again, for a team that might not crack 80 points. So that frustration has already happened. And I I agree with the texture. It's a risk. If you say, you know what, we're rebuilding and we're probably not going to be even a playoff contender for three seasons. Yeah, you absolutely have to worry about that and how it affects your ability to re-sign Elias Pettersson. But that doesn't make it the wrong move. And it's not as if the choice is, you know, be a perennial playoff contender or rebuild. The choice is, again, continue to commit to a team that is not a regular playoff team, is going to miss the playoffs by all indications, barring a phenomenal second-half run by a significant margin this year. So you're already staring that reality in the face with Patterson and Hughes, and to me the question is, okay, how do we salvage 
the remaining prime years of their career, the remaining years under 30 of their career. And to me, the best way to do that is to do more of a full-scale rebuild. Thanks to everyone for calling in. Thanks to everyone for texting in. The real Canucks talk is coming up. Drancer will be on the line. We will continue to talk uh, about the Jim Rutherford press conference. Uh, Tim Hunter, former Canuck and former teammate of Gino Ojic, is going to join us at 1230 as well because we do want to remember, take some time out. I know there's a lot going on, but we do want to take some time out to remember uh, the Canucks icon, Gino Ojic, who, of course, passed away over the weekend. Lots going on on Canucks talk. Stay tuned here on Sportsnet 650.